Today is the final battleground, and it's titled, Don't Let Your Ex Control You. <laughs> There's two meanings to that. Uh, some of you needed to hear it as you heard it, like my ex is controlling me, uh, but I'm not talking about your ex-spouse or ex-girlfriend or ex-whatever it was. Uh, we are talking about excuses, like your ex means excuse, and I try to come up with a catchy title so that you actually remember what I talked about, uh, because what I, I found from my life is when I hear a title, that usually is what sticks with me, and then I kind of remember at least a portion of the message. Now, I know that the entire message isn't for every person, but again, every time I speak, speak, I believe that one sentence is what you need to hear. Like you'll, take, you'll hear one thing and like, man, that was what I needed for today. But before we get into this, uh, I want to uh, tell you a little story that uh, I, I came across this last week. Somebody had emailed it to me a long time ago, and it's called My Car Keys. This is a woman's voice. My car keys were not in my pockets, all right? Um, so just grant it with, with my voice. And don't even say, you kind of sound like a woman anyway, right? Suddenly I realized I must have left them in the car. Frantic, I called my husband to let him know what had happened. Now, in the past, my husband has scolded me many times for leaving my keys in the car where I went, telling me that someday it was going to get stolen. As I looked around the parking lot, I realized my car was gone. That day had come. I had to make the difficult and humiliating call to my husband. He answered on the first ring, and I blurted out, My car's been stolen. There was a moment of silence. I thought the call had been dropped. And then he yelled out, I dropped you off. <laughs> now it was my turn to be silent. Embarrassed, I said, well, come and get me. He replied with a frustrated voice, I will, as soon as I convince this cop that I did not steal this car. <laughs> I love that. And as we get older, we realized... You go walk into your garage and go, where's my car keys, all right? Anybody, anybody at that spot where you just kind of forget stuff? And, and once I started doing that, I just gave myself grace. Like, we're going to be forgetful about some things. So uh, let's just dive right into this. We're going to tell you a story, the Jesus story. It's a parable. Uh, he, was, he was at this banquet. They were eating, and there was a guy that, that said to him um, as they were eating, he said, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know if he was trying to be spiritual around Jesus or if he was just like, heaven is going to be great. Uh, the Bible talks about when we get to heaven, there's going to be the marriage supper of the lamb. And in other words, there's going to be a big banquet and we're going to feast and it's going to be a great, great time. And so this guy was just pointing out, man, blessed is the man who would get to heaven. And let me tell you something right here, that if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will not be at this banquet. You, you got invited to it, but you have to accept the invitation, and you, get, you will have an opportunity um, at the end of this message to, to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Um, if the rapture comes in between now and then, I would just get saved now. I would just repent now. Say, Jesus, I need you to be my savior because the preacher kind of just scared me there. Uh, and, uh, and I want to be ready to go when he comes. And Jesus, in turn, he, he tells a story or a parable. And Jesus starts out with this, and this part's not on your screen. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, okay? And he was a prominent man. He invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike begin to make excuses, verse 18. The first said, well, I just bought a field, and, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, well, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And another man said, I just got married, so I can't come. <laughs> and the servant came back and reported this to his master. 
And then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, well, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there's still room. And then the master told his servant, well, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." And Jesus tells this parable, and and the man in the story, the prominent man, he is referring to his father, God, that that God has given an invitation to mankind, saying, I want you in heaven. I want you to join me when you die, when you you throw off this body and you get the new one. I want you to be in heaven. And Jesus said, but there are people that will not accept the invitation. There are people that will choose something else over a life lived for God. They They will make a choice. Now, I want to point out here that these invitations were pre-sent. This wasn't just, hey, in five minutes, this banquet is starting. These invitations had already went out. They were aware of what was going to happen. And every excuse given was a choice, not a tragedy. We, we have all had tragedies. We've all had reasons that we were going to go somewhere. We made, you know, we'd said yes to an invitation and the car broke down or a hospital. Or there's something that happened that was tragic. That like, this is a, a real legit reason that you couldn't make it. But these were simply excuses. In other words, they knew the banquet was coming, but the guy decided, well, you know, I'm just going to buy some, some land and I'm going to go just go look at my field. I, I bought five yoke of oxen, which would be today's equivalent of a new tractor. I got a new tractor. I'm going to go try it out. Um, the other guy got married. Well, I got married, so I can't, I can't serve you, God. I can't come to this. What excuses are acceptable to God for not serving him? Just list one for me. One, list an excuse that God says, no, I, I accept that excuse for not serving me. You won't come up with one. Right? You won't come up with one. They were invited to be a part of what God was doing. And again, an invitation is an opportunity, but an invitation is just an offer. You have to act on the offer. Right, has anybody ever went to a timeshare presentation? <laughs> like where they promise you something? And I've, I've went for the Home Depot cards. I've went for the, the was it a American Express cards? And, and, and I always say no, because I have a lot of self-control. Peer pressure never got to me growing up. Um, and, and so when they, they give the thing and I would be like, no, don't want it. They'd try to pressure you. And I'd be like, dude, you just paid me for my time. Like you, you offered me the card. Um, well, we, I got, I, we went to one and it was this thing. This was recently. And, uh, and, and I had this, you know, in the back of my mind going, this is probably just another thing. And it was just another thing. And we couldn't even use the thing. They're like, Hey, you get this free trip, you know, but you have to, you know, take off from Thailand and end up in China. And, and it's like, what? So they're still sitting on our car. So there was a little bait and switch thing going on. And I drove away going, that was a complete waste of my time. All right. But what God has for you is so much better than what you can achieve for yourself. You you need to understand that what God has for you is so much better than what you can achieve for yourself. And and all these three people that made these excuses, they gave up something great for just something that they wanted. Have we ever done that? Like we've given up, you know, our our future for the pleasure of the moment or we lost an opportunity because, you know, we, we, we made some excuse like, well, I just want to do this now and realized later, wow, we gave up a lot. Now, the man, okay, was frustrated and angry at the excuses these people were making. You've been there, right? You've prepared a meal or you've gotten a gift, you've done something for somebody and, and their reaction to it caused you to feel completely unappreciated. Like I, I did all this and it really amounted to nothing. We've all been there, right? Yeah. We've all been there and it doesn't feel good. And so, so God in this is frustrated with the people that he's like, I have offered you everything. Like this is, this is great. 
and you rejected it. You chose something of lesser value than, than over this big banquet I prepared or, you know, for eternity. And in our lives as Christians, I think we can go after the things that the world offers and really sell ourselves short of what God has for us. Here's what the devil loves to do. He loves to distract you with unimportant things. You ever been distracted by unimportant things? You ever, you ever have, because I love to pray. Like my morning prayer time is like my favorite day, part of the day. Because um, if I don't, I make a mess of the rest of it. But I love my prayer time. I love, I just I come into my office and I pray. Um, but God distracts, I mean, God distracts, the devil distracts me. He's not God. You, you ever been just praying and then you think about something else? Like just, yeah. it's like, I shouldn't even be thinking. That's not even a sin thought. It's just, oh, I got to get that done thing. And all of a sudden you start thinking about it. Just so you know, your pastor has the same thing happen. Thank you. And I have a closer relationship with Jesus than all y'all um, <laughs> because I'm a pastor, right? I knew I'd get a reaction out of that. Um, all right. That's because God has to pay more attention to me because I'm a knucklehead so often. So I, I'm like the problem child that gets lots of attention. Okay. Just because you're getting attention doesn't mean you're good. Yeah. Like your, your kids, if you have a group of children, the one that gets the most attention is the one that you've got to keep the, the, the eye on the most. So that's, how, that's what I mean by that. It, uh, it's like Jesus always looking at me through that eye. And, and so my prayer time is, is my, my time just to really get my heart right, to say, okay, God, I, I, I have a, a reason that I'm here today. I have a reason and a purpose, and I want to know what that is. I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. But here's the challenge for today as we get into this lesson is, is the challenge is lose the excuse and live a life of purpose. Lose the excuse and live a life of purpose. Because here's what I really believe. I believe that God's really, his plan for you and his will is to live a life of joy. That, that's the second uh, fruit of the spirit. The first one is love. The second one is joy. The question is, is how come other churches, I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about other churches. How come other churches aren't full of joy? Ours is, right? We're full of joy. We're a pretty happy group. We have our issues, but we're a pretty happy group. And that's what people like to go where there's happiness, right? There really is. You know, I've never been to a nightclub before, but I've watched TV. So I've seen what it's like. It's not a place where everything is just boring. It's not a chess match. Like, I would rather watch a nightclub scene than a chess match scene where it's just quiet and, you know, introverts are like the chess match thing. That's, that's their thing. I'm not bashing chess, but I'm saying a, a, a joyful crowd will get people's attention. Yes. It will. Joy is something that we're supposed to have as Christians, and, and I'm afraid that we're not very good at it at times. But if it's the second fruit of the Spirit, if it's love, then joy, we got to, okay, if I'm not joyful, why not? What is, what is my issue? Well, we'll talk about that today. Part of being a church family is so important because you're part of something that's bigger than you. Like we really are making a difference in our community. We really are. Our community is our community. Now, some of you travel, you know, from different communities, uh, but most of us live in the CUNA area. Now, me personally, just so you know, my heart, uh, my wife and I have been here, this, this coming week will be 25 years um, at, at this church, and we absolutely love it. We absolutely love where we're at. We love where we're going. We love, you know, the fact that we're getting to build our new, we're getting closer uh, to the, getting that permit. We're still negotiating some things that, um, that, that, you know, on the permit fee and stuff, because it's a lot, a lot more than we thought. And so we're negotiating, and as Qui-Gon Jen said, the negotiations never took place. Um, so we're still working on that, and uh, thank you for liking my movie references. I'm going to say Scott, because he's the only one that laughed. If you've never seen Star Wars, you wouldn't get it. 
All right. But personally, I'm called to CUNA. I'm not called to the Treasure Valley. There are a lot of churches in our great churches that the whole goal is like, we're going to reach the whole Treasure Valley. Me personally, that's not my call. My, my call is not Meridian. It's not Boise. It's not Nampa or Caldwell. Now, if you come from there, that's great. Like, we love you. But my heart and, and my, my roots really are in this town. And when my wife and I came, there was 3,500 people here. There was 15 people in our church family. Um, and so our roots are here. And here's why I love being a part of a, of a town itself, or we, some people call it a city, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a town, right? It's almost a city. It's getting there. Uh, sometimes I think the drivers came from cities, and that's why it drives me nuts. But um, I think there should be a grandfather clause. I think we should have a little thing like Uber, you know, where you can see it in the dash that it says CUNA native. And when I need to pull out, I think anybody that's moved in should stop and allow me just to pull out because I've been here longer. But that probably won't happen. Um, but we do have the stoplight here that if you want to just tell your kid to go and push that button, it will stop traffic. And you can pull out. I'm not telling you to do that. Um, <laughs> unless I'm trying to get out, then I'll follow you. But... Don't run over kids, that's bad. But, but, to, but to me, the whole Treasure Valley, that's too broad for me. I'm more of a specific person. Um, and here's my goal, as it has been through all the years that I've lived here, uh, is that I know people that live in our community. I know people in the store. I know people in restaurants. I know people like when our staff, when we go out for a staff lunch, it's not just to go eat, it's to go to connect. Like we connect with the people that work there. We connect with the people around because I think, our, I think pastors should be visible in the community. I really believe that. Now, you as a family member should be visible in the community as long as you behave. Like we have a CLC sticker. Okay, be careful because people were watching you. They know what that means. All right. I love pe seeing people at the store. I went to Walmart this last week and, and I, I think I, I meet somebody I know in Walmart almost every time I go there. And I love that. I love that. You know, I, I, I see, I go talk to people. Now, it's possible that you avoid me. Like if you're buying a case of beer and, and you're, you know, you see me in Walmart, there's a good chance you're going to turn the other direction. Listen, I won't judge you for that. All right. But if I see you avoid me, I will follow you. I will just, I will just get in the car and I'll throw some items in your car that you don't want to have pop up when you get to the checkout. Right? I, I'm tricky like that. Okay. But I love that. I love going to town and the stores and the restaurants, uh, gas station, and seeing you all, seeing my church family, and meeting potential family members, meeting people that I don't know yet, but it's just to be a friendly face, right? Because we can make a difference in our community, and we do that together. So I know what I'm called to do, and I know why I'm called to do it. Me personally, I have to live like someone's eternity depends on it. And that's really the call that we have as a pastoral staff is to give people the opportunity to know Jesus, just like somebody gave you the opportunity to know Jesus, whether it was your parents or a preacher or, you know, street ministry, whatever. You may not call to be a pastor, but you are called to care about people. I think some people use that excuse. Well, I'm not called, you know, to, to minister. No, you are. You may not be called to professional, like you, that's your job, but you are called to minister. You are called to minister to somebody. You never know what an act of kindness will produce. Okay, I'm into simple things like tipping well, okay? Tipping well. Even if a job wasn't well done, you can give somebody a tip and, and just tell them, you know what? You don't know what's going on in their life. They may have a tragedy and, and so their demeanor isn't full of joy, okay? But, but you don't know what's going on inside of them. And I will tell you, if they don't appreciate it, God will. God will appreciate it. God rewards generosity, all right? Now, once again, we can get so focused on ourselves that we fail to see the pain of others, 
And I want to slow down just a little bit with this because there are times, guys, that we can get so focused, I'm going to say it again, on ourselves that we fail to see the pain of other people. I want to paint a little picture here. Imagine that you, you go to the doctor and you're bleeding out. I mean, the things are bad. And the doctor comes in and this doctor visit starts telling you what's wrong with him. Like you're in the chair and he starts telling you, yeah, this hurts and that hurts and my legs hurt and my foot's been hurting and my head's kind of been hurting. And you're there bleeding out and he's telling you all of his problems. Wouldn't that be strange? Like you're like, doc, I'm bleeding out here. He's like, well, enough about you, more about me. Let's just talk about my issues. And, and, and you would be like, that's not a doctor's job. A doctor's job, regardless of what they're going through, is to help me because I'm bleeding out here. Like I got these issues. And I think at times... We can be like that doctor, that we are so focused on our own pain, our own issues, our own situations, our own family, our own problems, that we fail to help other people through theirs. And that's the opposite of what Jesus has called us to do. It doesn't mean that, that you don't have problems. It just means that you're going to put joy ahead of your excuse because everyone has one. Everyone has one. And here's what an excuse can do. An excuse blocks your joy. An excuse, when you put it ahead, it blocks your joy because you can't see around the excuse. Some of y'all walking around and this is all you see. You just put the X in front of you. It's like, well, I have an excuse. I have an excuse. I have, I have an X. I don't have an X, but you might have one. And, and, the, and my X is stealing my joy. Now, this isn't just joy. This is ultra joy. <laughs> This is a spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, Bible-believing Christian right there. That's ultra joy. But we can let our ex, our excuse, get in front of our joy. And, and that's not the way that God wants us to live. And once again, we get so focused on our own pain that we fail to see the pain of other people. See, life hurts sometimes. It does. But I can't allow my hurt to be a hindrance in helping other people. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak this to me the other day. Don't let your hurt become your hindrance. Don't let your hurt become your hindrance because we can. It's like God says, I want you to bless him. Well, Lord, I'm having a bad day. And God's like, oh, well, excuse me. Well, as soon as you're not having a bad day, let me know and I will tell you to help somebody else. God doesn't ask us that, right? Don't let your hurt become your hindrance because we can do that. And if you allow your hurt and your life situations to be your excuse for not serving God or not helping others, the devil will make sure that you have plenty of problems so that he can give you plenty of excuses to stay focused on, right? If that gets you, it's like the kid in the back seat. And we have, if you have more than one child, you have the war that goes on in the back. Mom, he's looking at me, he's hitting me, he's touching me, he's spitting on me, he's doing something. And, and you're like, knock it off, knock it off. And, and there's a point in our family, I was like, you keep reacting to it, quit reacting to it. They keep doing it because you keep reacting to it. And the devil is like an antagonist. As long as, as long as you react to his antagonism, he's going to keep doing it. There's a point to say, devil, I know what you're doing. Yeah, I don't like it, but I'm not going to let that be my excuse. I'm not going to let you rob my joy. I'm not going to let you keep me, you know, hindered from helping other people. Because again, if, if, our, if our pain keeps us from helping others, we will always have pain. Jesus would have had a really good excuse to not go to the cross, wouldn't he have? Okay, but he, he kept going. Let's talk about money and tithing for a moment. Um, I've heard people say, well, soon as I can afford it, I'll start, I'll start tithing. <laughs> I'm like, if you don't start tithing, you will never be able to afford it. Right? You plant the seed first. You plant the seed first. That's like saying, well, as soon as I have a crop, I'll plant seed. You'd be like, that's a crazy farmer. Because we know if you don't plant good seed in your field, what grows? 
Weeds. Weeds naturally grow. So in our lives, if you haven't trusted God with tithing, it's really not a money issue. It's a heart issue and it's a trust issue. Like I can, I can trust God with my eternal security or eternal, yeah, eternal salvation, but I can't trust him with my money. How crazy is that? Right? So, so we have to learn that we, we tithe and we give 10% of our income because God promises that he will bless it. He does. It was a pastor, uh, the true story. He, he told people, hey, if you're not tithing, he says, I, I, I'm going to tell you three months. Start tithing in three months. If you don't see an increase or a blessing, I will give you your money back. That's what he said. This pastor was not me. Um, it was somebody else. But I'm telling you, I have never had somebody start tithing in our church family over the years and say that just didn't work for me. They came back with stories going, you wouldn't believe, actually, you're like, you wouldn't believe what happened. I'm like, actually, I would believe what happened because I know that giving produces something. So Satan can't steal your salvation, but he can sure steal your joy and purpose by getting you to focus on you. And that's the battleground today that we can win. We can say, okay, I'm going to quit letting my excuse get in the way of my joy, and I'm going to put my excuse behind joy. And the reason it's behind is because we always have one. We always have an excuse ready. I'm not saying, you know, we don't have excuses. The reality is, this is these are things that we battle. That's why we have a battleground series, is this is stuff we deal with. We all have an excuse. Here's a question that's not in my notes. What has your excuse prevented you from becoming or prevented you from being? Excuse can be fear. It can be, well, I'm not good enough. You, we, we have a lot of excuses, but what can it keep you from? What have your excuses kept you from? Like the blessings of God. Right? It's a battleground, again, that we can win, but we have to be intentional about it. So the question is, well, why be intentional? I believe, because it's true, is the devil is the master of distraction. The devil loves to distract you. Again, if he can't get you off course, he will just distract you. He'll get you to focus on other things. The devil's strategy of worldly ways is this. It's make life about you. Make life about you. I, me personally, when I see businesses or slogans, that it's, like, it's all about me. Have it your way. Burger King, right? We, we have it your way. Have it your way. And I get you can order the hamburger your way. But when we get that, have it your way, it's all about me. Then we're preaching last week's message, and that was dealing with entitlement. Like, I deserve this. I, I deserve this. I deserve this. I, de yeah, I, I deserve a break today. You might deserve a break. <laughs> okay? You might deserve some other things. Okay? Make life about you. That's what the devil says. What did he do to Eve? He's like, I know you got all this stuff, but there's that one thing you don't have. And it's so what she do. She, she went and she got it. Make life about you. And what did Eve do when God called them on it when they sinned? He went, he went to Eve. He said, Eve, what'd you do? She says, that serpent deceived me. She made an excuse. But just, the serpent made me do it. The serpent, the serpent deceived me, which really happened. And then, and then when God says to Adam, what'd you do? He says, that woman you gave me? Like, God, everything was fine till she showed up. I never touched that apple. I didn't even look at it. There was times, God, that I was like looking at the core of my eye going, man, that looks pretty delicious, but I got all this stuff. I'm pretty happy. And then she showed up. And I ate it. She, she's, matter of fact, God, it's your fault that you gave me her. <laughs> Read the story. That's really what he did. He blamed Eve, then he blamed God for giving her to And And so, you know, Adam, if he had been smart, he had been like, well, I didn't want an ex by herself outside of the garden. So I went ahead and took a bite so I could be with her for forever. He didn't do that. He did it because he was a knucklehead, yep. right? And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have some words with Adam and my words are going to be, bro, goat heads, come on. Because the Bible says the thorns are the result of Adam's sin. And uh, I'm going to stick one in his eye when I get there. 
So yeah, when I die, put one in my pocket, y'all. <laughs> I actually put it in my shoe and I'll just, I'll just leave it at the, wherever he sleeps. I'm gonna stick a bunch when he gets out of bed. And I'll be like, that's what I had to deal with because of your sin. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna be scared to death of the dude because he's perfect and big. Um, and, and, but it's just a thought. Uh, make life about you, the devil says. And a self-focused life is a very unfulfilling life. It is. You, you will not meet a selfish person who is happy and full of joy. Because more is never enough. More is never enough. No matter what they get, it's never enough. We have to learn to be happy with what we have. Now, God's plan says make life about others. And in that, you will find joy. When you live a life to benefit other people and to make others, other people's day a little better, okay, you will find joy in that. There is no joy in selfishness. There is joy in selflessness, okay? A life of significance is a life of obedience, if you want to live a life that's significant, it's a life of obedience. And I will tell you one thing about obedience is obedience is always convenient. It's always convenient. It's always easy. You never have to sacrifice when you're obedient. Life is perfect. Yeah. I'm glad you're listening. I'm being sarcastic. Sometimes my wife doesn't know when I'm being sarcastic. A life of obedience is a life of inconvenience. When you obey, it is inconvenient a lot. It's inconvenient to your time. It's inconvenient to your finances. It's inconvenient a lot, but it is so rewarding. It is so rewarding to live a life of obedience means you got to say no to some things that you used to say yes to. A life of obedience means you have to be patient in traffic. Like, okay, Lord, you told me to love them. I'm going to love them. Lord, can I use tough love here? Because I, can I just spin them out? No, I got cut off a couple times this week, and I did really good, guys. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, and I hadn't even got out of my garage yet. But um, <laughs> no, it was, I did, had a couple of Eagle Road experiences. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Here's a question that most people struggle with, because here's what I know. I, here's what I want you to do is I want you to wake up in the morning, know there's a reason why you're still here. There, there's a reason why you're still alive. And some of you sitting here or listening online, you may be struggling with why, why, why am I even here? Why bother? Why bother getting up in the morning? Why, why not just give up? You need to understand that God made a purpose for you. That God has a purpose for you. There is a purpose for your life. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Okay? It's like air, you can't see it. You can see dust in air. But you can't see air itself, but, but you believe that it's there. Why? Because you're breathing. And, and I believe that, that as long as you're breathing, you still have purpose. Even if you're in a hospital bed, okay, you, when you're breathing, you still have purpose. You still have the ability to make a difference in the life of somebody. Maybe somebody that, that has, has walked through this as a nurse and they see your faith and you're different than everybody else. So even in, in your last moments of your life, you can make an eternal difference in somebody else's life. But here's the question that most people struggle with, and our pastoral staff will tell you this. Probably one of the questions we hear the most is, what is God's will for my life? Like, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what God's purpose is. And we overcomplicate this because Jesus already answered the question. Here, here's the answer, Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things, you are to love God with all your heart to the best of your ability, knowing that you're going to fail, knowing that you're going to sin, you're going to blow it, you're going to fall short, but God loves you anyway, and I love God anyway, in this flesh we will always fight, but I'm going to do the best I can to love God with all that I am. And then I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And, and, and when I'm loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I will love his people, even if the people aren't lovable. 
because that's what really love is, right? Jesus even said, it's easy to love people who love you, but it's the ones who don't like you. Those are the ones that you struggle with because love is a choice. So Jesus made it pretty simple. You're supposed to obey him and you're supposed to serve him. I love God by loving his people. And when you look for ways to help others, you will naturally begin to use the gifts and abilities God has given you to do this. The five love languages group, you know, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, all that, you will find that, that when I want to serve and I want to do something for God, I will do it in the area of my gifting. Like, I, I want to serve God this way, all right? Some of you would be scared to death if I said, hey, I need you to preach next Sunday. And I promise you this, those arm-checked preachers, arm-check, arm-check, arm-chair preachers, um, okay, arm-chair preachers, of, oh, he shouldn't have said that. He should have said, okay, we're going to give you an opportunity one of these days to preach a message. Not in this pulpit, but we'll give you somewhere. <laughs> and, and you'll realize that doing it up here is way harder than, than doing it from the seats, right? right? It's like professional baseball players. Like, it's like, oh, why do you swing at that? Yeah. <laughs> I, as an unprofessional softball player, I have the right to say, why did they swing at that pitch? For one thing, when you see it from behind, you can see the curve, but you can't see it when it's 60 feet away or whatever it is, uh, right? It, it, it's easy to say, well, they're doing this wrong. My question is, and here's what I have found, that when you're busy rowing the boat, you don't have much time to rock the boat. Most of the time that we hear complaints there are from people that really aren't making the, the church body go forward. It's like an anchor instead of a sail. And it's really easy to be critical when you're just sitting in the captain's chair, okay, or you think you're in the captain's chair, and you're watching everybody else row. I want to be so busy rowing, I don't have time to pick on anybody else. All right? You see, I will stand before God and give an account of my life, okay, what, what I did with what he gave me. Uh, my wife and I were, were talking this morning, and she mentioned First Peter, and so um, I, I went there. I thought, man, this was a God moment, because what she told me fit right into my message. So this isn't even in my notes for today, but it's perfect. So babe, thanks. Even with a broken foot, babe, you're making a difference. <laughs> she is, all right? It says this, each one should use the gift, whatever gift God has received, I'm sorry, let me start over. Each one should, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one should use whatever gift, what? He has, and he meaning mankind has received to serve other people. Your gift is not for you. Your gift, now you are not God's gift to the earth. Okay, let's just get that clear right here. But the gift that God has given you, whether it's playing an instrument whether it's serving, whether it's greeting people, whether it's working in kids' ministries, whether it's you know, picking up after first service and saying, oh, we need to clean this up a little bit. Okay, we all have our different giftings, and our giftings are not for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we sometimes, I think, we're like Gollum with the ring, and we just go, my precious. Like, <laughs> this is my gift, and it's precious, but I'm not going to share it with anybody. Yeah. Not many Lord of the Rings fans here, but um, <laughs> you will become one. All right, but, but he, he looks at it and it's all, it's all about him and what he can do. And, and your gift not used really is just an excuse that'll get in the way of your joy. It's just an excuse. Like, well, I, I, we all have excuses. Now, let's talk about burnout for a moment because some of y'all are burned out. I, I know some of your stories, first service had the same thing where people were actually in ministry and just went 100 miles an hour for too long. And you do that, you will fry. You will fry. Again, if the devil can't stop you, he will overuse you so that you're smoldering at the end of the day and you are good for nobody. 
And so there is a moment where we get, we get burned out and we push ourselves too much and then we become useless and we're like, you know, the gift, I have the gift, but I'm not gonna use it. Here's what I wanna tell you. There is a time that God needs you to get back in the game. There is a time that, okay, God's like, okay, you rested enough. Now, now, now your burnout is just an excuse from serving me. Like, and, and here's what I tell people because guys, I have burned out. I am speaking from experience. I am a very self-motivated person, and, and younger, when I was younger, I was a, a youth pastor, children's pastor, associate pastor, janitor, groundskeeper. I mean, I did all kinds of things at the first church we were at, and, and I, I worked so hard that I physically ended up in the hospital. Like, I was just, my body was spent, and the doctor, he came in, he said, what do you do for a living? I was 23, 24 years old. He says, what do you do for a living? I said, I, I grow dope. Um, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> It wasn't a thing. I told him what I did. I, I said, I, I, I'm an associate pastor of church. And, and he, he seriously said, he said, you need to slow down. He said, you need to slow down because you are destroying your body. You're destroying your body. And so I had to take that advice. And again, I don't always listen to it. Again, I'm a motivated person. But I had to believe a doctor who knew more than me as to where my body was at. So I get burnout. But what I want to tell you is that if you are, if you've burned out, there is a point where you need to work yourself back into the ministry that God has called you to do. Yeah. Why? Because if you don't, you will not have any joy. Yeah. And that's really what God wants. Now, again, you have to pace yourself. You have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to say no. Yes. Look at your neighbor and just say no. no. <laughs> and some of you mentally told me no because you didn't do it. You're like, <laughs> not doing it. You can't even tell me no, okay? Look at me and say, no, just do it, no, all right? Now we need help in kids' ministries. Look at me and say, yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, some of y'all, we don't want some of you working in kids' ministries and be like, no, all right? We'll let you work the parking lot. All right, you can just tell the cars where to go. Uh, but God wants you and your abilities to be used. And again, I understand burnout. I get that. And I don't sit in judgment on anybody that's fried because your, your body can be absolutely depleted. And God wants us to get rest. You see, even Jesus went to the mountains. He, he gave and he gave and he gave. And Jesus didn't heal everybody, right? He didn't, he had gifts. He didn't heal everybody that needed to be healed. And what did he do? He went to the mountains to rest, which is where I'm going this week because it's my elk hunt and I'm really excited about it. Pastor Steve is going to be preaching next week. So y'all going to show up because it's always great because we have a great preaching staff. I can go and I don't worry, man. I'm like, attendance actually will increase and then I'll have a talk with him. Um, <laughs> It's like, bro, we need to preach more. More people showed up, right? Scott, you do a great job. Um, I love our preaching staff because I can go and I can relax and know that you guys are going to get an amazing meal, okay? And, and, and I, there was a time that I used to worry. I'd be like, oh, no, okay, the church attendance is going to go way down. But that's not that way anymore, all right? It, it stays steady. But I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to be like Jesus. I don't know if Jesus ever killed a bull elk, but he created them for me to shoot. All right, and it's going to be fun. And I'm going to go up there with my parents and my son, and we're just going to get out uh, for a while, and it's going to be a great time. We need to know how to take care of ourselves so we can be here for the long haul. Again, my wife and I, we've been in ministry 32 years, and that's, that seems to be a long time, especially for a 40-year-old like myself, <laughs> plus 11. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't want to fry. I don't want to fry. I, I want to finish well. I want to finish the way God, God wants us to finish. You know how you do that? You do that with staff. You do that with a team yeah. because you can't carry the load all by yourself. Right. Okay? Not only that, I'm not good enough to carry all those areas. Okay? So I've been there. Again, even Jesus had limits. There was a missionary uh, when I went to Bible college, and he told a story. And he had burned out. Like he couldn't go back onto the mission field. And here's what he said to us young students. He said that God gave me a message to carry and a horse to ride. Okay, he was talking 
kind of encode here, a horse to ride to carry the message. He says, and I rode the horse to death. In other words, he depleted his body. He went so hard, didn't take vacation, just worked long hours, and he, and he fried, and then he was no good at the end. Like, he just had nothing to give at the end, and I don't want to be like that. Okay, you need pit stops. Okay, we can either overdo it or we can underdo it. Now, here's what the devil loves to do. He loves you to, to be focused on yourself. So to counteract this, you have to think certain things. Number one is this. This is just some practical stuff. Number one, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. You get, you get up in the morning and you say, okay, I have a purpose for today. What is my purpose? I don't know exactly what the purpose is, but I know it has to do with people. Number three, it has to do with helping people. It has to do with serving people. It has to do with making somebody else's day a little better. Again, you can't take somebody's hurt away, but you can help them hurt less. I heard a pastor say that. I said, man, that is, so, that is such a great, great thought. I can't take away your hurt, but I can help you hurt less. So we get up in the morning with a purpose, and I will tell you that purpose is fuel. Purpose is fuel. When you get up knowing this is what God has called me to do, it will energize you. Yeah. It will. It'll energize you. You get up and go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a difference in the life of somebody else. I'm going to leave somebody better than I found them. Number two, be confident. I went to number four. I'm all over the place. Be confident. I need a vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Be confident in who God made you to be. Now, God has given each one of you certain gifts and abilities. He's given you gifts and abilities. The question is, are you using them? Now, again, you are not God's gift to the world, okay? But God's call, it says, when God calls you, especially into full-time ministry, that, that call is always there. Whether you obey or not, it is always there. It's a call. God has called us to make a difference. Um, and so I want to be confident in who God made you to be. There are certain things that, that I'm good at, certain things that I'm terrible at. Like, if you have computer issues or tech issues, please don't ask me. I have no idea. I'm like, that is not my area, I don't, and I don't want to. If you have engine problems, give me a call. Like, if, if there's things that, that I, I'm good at fixing engines, you know, I'm not really good at fixing people. I've tried for 32 years, and it's not working, but, um, but I'm pretty good at fixing an engine, and, and engines don't talk back. That's the great part. All right. Uh, but, but my heart really is to teach and to preach. I love, I love to develop messages. I love to pray. I love those things. But, but my giftings isn't strong leadership. Like, I know that. I guess that's not really my gifting um, is, is leadership. And, and so I have to know, okay, what are my gifts and what are not my gifts? And I got to work my gifts more than my not gifts. And what do we do? We delegate the areas that we're not gifted in. But each one of you has a gift. God has given you each a gift. Some, some of you multiple gifts. My question is, are you using it for his glory? Are you using those gifts that God has given you for his glory? But be confident in who God made you to be. Again, confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is knowing that you're good at something. Arrogance is thinking you're better than anybody else. Okay, there's a, there's a difference there. Again, number three, purpose starts with people. Okay, our purpose is to make somebody else's life better. Number four, leave people, people better than you found them. That's a good thing. Be, just leave people better than you found them. Give them a compliment. Give them something. You know, I was walking out of a store uh, the other day, and, and I asked the guy, I said, hey, how you doing? And uh, he goes, hanging in there. And he kept walking. I was like, he doesn't want to talk. And so I just like, okay, Lord, just bless him, whatever it is that he's facing, uh, because he had pretty grumpy looking. And I love to talk to the grumpy people. It, to me, it, it's more fun. I mean, I'll talk to the smiley ones, but I love seeing the sour, sour face. And be like, hey, how you doing? And I get the, like the glare, and I walk away just laughing. Like, yeah, yeah, you're having a good day. Uh, but sometimes people are actually surprised that you talk to them. And, and that we do that, right? Go through the store and just say hi to people. It makes a difference. 
Is your family better off because you're in it? I heard a pastor preach in uh, this last week in a podcast, and he asked some of these questions. I added a little bit to it, but he, he had the original thought, and I loved it because it challenged me. And he said this, is your family better off because you're in it? Is your family better off because you're in it? Is your church more effective because you're a part of it? Hey, is your job or school a better place because you show up? Don't you love that? Let me read those again. Is your family better off because you were in it? Is your church more effective because you're a part of it? And is your job or your school a better place because you show up? And each one of us can make that choice to be that, to be that, to make a difference, to make a difference in the lives of other people. I want our city to be a better place because our church is a part of it. I love my community. I love our mayor. Our mayor is a believer, a good friend of mine, loves Jesus, loves our church family, loves what we're doing here. Um, and we got, we got a good city that we live in. Is it perfect? No. But we can make it better. Amen. Like, we should be known as Change Life Church family. Is, man, that's, that's a, this is a family that loves people. They care about us. They drive a little nuts sometimes because I see the sticker on the back of their car. You know, but, but maybe they're just in a hurry to get somewhere to tell somebody about Jesus. Maybe that's why they're rushing. I know the truth, y'all, some of you just crazy, but, uh, but the fact is, is we're building something bigger than us, okay? The building is gonna allow us to be more effective. I'm excited to get it going, it's in God's time. We're still working through the permit process. Uh, you know, it, it, my plan is very seldom God's plan. Like I was, I was gonna be in it two years ago. I think I was all telling you, yeah, you know, Christmas of 2021, we'll be in the building. <laughs> false promises uh, from a false prophet, because I, I was not a prophet, I was just hoping. But we will get in it when God says, okay, now is the time. God's timing is always perfect, okay? But let me talk to you about your pain for just a moment. Our pain, again, does not excuse us from helping others in their pain. We can help others when we are hurting. When we're hurting, that is the last thing we really wanna do. Like, just, just, just be straight. Like, that, when I'm going through something, the last thing I want to do really is to, to help other people. But what I have found is that when I'm going through maybe, and I, when I say depression, I don't get depressed. Some of you, like, clinically depressed. Some of you do struggle with that. Um, when I'm not having a great day, if I will help somebody, I drive away feeling a little better about life. Like, I, okay, I made a little bit of a difference. And again, we always have the excuse of why we shouldn't do something, why we shouldn't stop, why we shouldn't help. All right, my son, he, he loves to help people. Like he carries, you know, car chain, tire changing things in his truck. Like if you see something, he'll stop and help people. Um, it just is something he loves to do. And you always feel better about that. And there are some times that people don't want your help. There was a lady in town a couple weeks ago. I had a pastor's meeting early in the morning and, and she had a flat tire and she pulled into the, the parking lot and it's open. And I saw it, I was like, hey, your flat tire's, tire's flat. She's like, yeah, I know. And, and I said, hey, let me help you change it. She's like, no, I got it. I'm good. She wasn't, she, went in, she was gonna go into the store or something. I said. I don't, not doing it. And I thought, maybe I look like a creeper. Um, I was just decent. Um, and I said, well, I have time to help you if you want. She's like, no, I got it. And, and so I, I walked away and I drove off and I was like, dang, like I wanted to help this because that's my love language, right? So I felt like rejected by a woman I've never met uh, that, that she didn't let me help her change her flat. She had a kid with her. And, and, and so I drove away going, Lord, I wanted to help her. Like, I wanted to feel, feel better about the day. And it, it, I, it, I had a grudge, Jennifer, for like five minutes. <laughs> Obviously, I still have a grudge. I'm talking about it two weeks later. I got issues, right? But I, I was like, I just wanted to help. And, and, and so I got robbed of a blessing, and I was more than happy to help. Another lady, I was going to take her shopping cart. She was done. And, and I was like, I'll take your cart. She's like, I got it. 
I was like, wow, claws came out. I was like, what, do you hate men or something? I, I, I was like, it wasn't like there was, your stuff was still in your cart. I can understand if you had stuff in your cart. And I'm like, let me take that for you. But there was nothing in it. But she just, claws came out, and I get it myself. Fine. Jesus bless you. Um, but but uh, this thing's obviously have affected me, because uh, that one was like a couple years ago. I got, I got issues. <laughs> I got to get over some stuff, right? This is like therapy. I'm just telling my church family, here's my problems. Please help me. You preach next week. I need to hear what you have to say. All right. But here's what I want you to do. As, as life groups are this coming Sunday, if you're part of a life group, um, and even if you're not, maybe you have some, some friends that you can share this with. I want you to intentionally do something for somebody. Just, just, just find whether it's tipping. You know, my wife and I, we love to tip. Like we keep cash in, in our vehicles like to, to <laughs> I just told that some thief goes, what do you drive? Uh, no, we, we keep cash to give out. At Christmas time, we get out quite a bit of money just to give away. Like that is our joy is just to, to be in a store and, and say, God, who, who needs a 20? Like who's, you know, and my church famous, like, I need 20. Uh, you might be it, but, but that we love to do that. We love to do that. How did I learn that? I learned that from my dad. My dad and my mom, they're very generous people. And, and I've watched it growing up, even when we lived in a trailer, didn't have much, that my parents were always generous. Okay? Because if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with a lot. And, and it feels good. Like you give somebody some money and, and maybe if somebody that's just working hard at the gas station, just give a little, you know, $5 or something. They can buy, you know, a, about three quarters of a Starbucks with a five bucks. Um, but it's something, right? But do something for somebody, whether it's taking their shopping cart or whatever, and report back to your life group and share that. Okay, and this isn't bragging because I'm asking you to do it. And, and I'll tell you what, when you do that, you'll have these stories of the joy that you got. You'll have the joy. And if you give out like a hundo, it's like ultra joy. Like, okay, you give out a five, you get some joy. But if you give, give out a little more and it will make somebody's day and you'll make their life better. That is what God has called us to do is make a difference in different ways. Like God has given you a gift. Are you using it or are you using the excuse? You use the excuse that gets in the way of what? Of your joy, okay? Now today, I don't know where your walk with God is. I don't know where it's at. But I have to believe in a crowd this size or maybe online, there's somebody here that has never given their life to Jesus. Like maybe you grew up in church or maybe you know about God and you're like, well, I believe in God. Guys, let's get something. The devil believes in God. The devil believes that Jesus died for our sins. The devil, his whole goal is to keep you from believing that so that he can spend eternity in hell with you. That's, and that's not God's plan for your life. God's first plan is that we would confess that we're sinners and give our lives to him. And Jesus will forgive you of everything you did. Now, let me, let me show you this. In this bottle of joy, is joy the container or is joy what's inside the container? The joy is what's inside, right? And, and what does soap do? What does soap do? It cleans. And Jesus' blood is like the soap that's in the, the container of joy. Sometimes I think we look at the container and not what's inside of it. That's a whole other sermon. But Jesus looks at us and he says, if you will apply what I've given you, I will wash your sins clean. White as snow. New slate. Every sin you've ever committed, when you confess it to me, Jesus says, I will forgive it right then and there. All done. But we have to apply it. We have to be willing to say, I accept that. I believe that. And I want this forgiveness you're talking about. We have a lot of satisfied customers in here, right? How many of y'all given your life to Jesus? Raise your hand. You've given it to him. Okay. Now, if you haven't done that, okay, I'm going to ask everybody just to bow your heads just for a moment. And this is the, the moment where eternity hangs in the balance maybe for somebody. 
have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin? If you have not, and you want to, you want this forgiveness I'm talking about, you want to go to heaven, you want to go to this great banquet that God has said, hey, I invited everybody, but not everybody wants to come. If you want to be at that banquet, and you want to confess your sins today, I want to ask you just to raise your hand where I can see it. Say, Stan, that's me. I'm here today. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about church and stuff, but I believe what you said. Is there anybody? Okay, I see a hand. Anybody else? Okay. All right. And I don't know what's going on online, but I believe that God's going to work there too. So church family, in support of those who raised their hands today, we just pray this prayer together. It's a simple prayer. Just repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life be my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Amen. You just got forgiven and you, heaven's your home. Amen.